welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Next week, we will be celebrating the holiday of Purim next Wednesday night, March 16th, the 14th of Adar. And I came up with a letter that was written by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, uh, of blessed memory, in which he writes uh, on the 30th of Adar, Adar 1, it was a leap year, the first day of Adar of the year 5746, which was 1989. And he writes this letter uh, to give encouragement to a businessman. And so the letter stay, starts explaining about the leap year, uh, that this year we have a leap year, we had two months of Adar, we're right now in the second month of Adar. And he says that this year being a Jewish leap year, the joy is redoubled. Like in, 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 in Adar, the sages say that once the month of Adar begins, we have to increase our joy. And since this year we had two months of Adar, the joy is increased. So this day surely provides a most suitable opportunity to reflect on, on what is Purim, what Purim really encapsulates, what's the real meaning of Purim. In other words, what is really the significance of Purim, which took place some 2,300 years ago, ago in Persia and Media, which was actually the Babylonian Empire, for us today and now. How can, the, how can we be still celebrating a holiday that happened so many years ago? How is it relevant to Jewish people today in 2022? So actually, in some respects, Purim, even more than any other special day uh, of, of festival in our Jewish calendar, has a special significance for every Jew, man, woman, child, to every, every Jew in, the, in this time of, of, of the world, in these times of Galut, of exile. So Purim took place in a time when the Jewish people were also in exile. It was the exile of the Babylonian Empire, and it was in between the destruction of the first temple and the, and the construction of the second temple. It was 70 years in between. And even after the miracle of Purim, the Jewish people still were in exile for many more years. Like, it, it's not that redemption came right away. So the Megillah re relates, and our sages explain, even in, in greater detail, that materially and economically, the, the Galut in Persia and Media, the last phase of the Babylonian Empire, exile, was not at all severe. Like Jewish people had a good lives. They were not oppressed. Like they lived like, like incredibly well. Like they, they, the king Ahasuerus, he made this huge party in the palace and he made a whole day. He feasted a whole week with the Jewish people. He brought them kosher food. He gave them kosher wine. He feasted with them. Uh, we see that the queen was a Jewish queen. We see that Mordechai was an advisor of Ahasuerus, was a Jew. So Jewish people in those days didn't have a bad moment. They, they were respected and they, were, they had a good life. But then the problem came when a man, a bad, evil man, appeared in the picture. His name is Haman, as we know, when we stomp our feet, when they mention him in the, in the synagogue. And this man had a plan. So the answer can be found why 
the cards flipped for the Jewish peoples in, from living in wealth and well and respected peoples in this place. Suddenly, they wanted, they wanted to annihilate them all in one day. So the answer may be found in Haman's words to the king Ahasuerosh. When he comes to him and he says, there is one people dispersed and scattered among the nations in all the lands of your kingdom, and their laws are different from your laws. Uh, they're different from those of any other people. It's like saying, you know, the Jews, they're different. They're not like everybody else. They keep different food. They eat different food. They dress differently. They keep their language. They don't want to mingle with us. They're different. So Haman understood that the Jewish people are one people. He understood that we're not dispersed. Even though we were in exile, we were one people. And you know what? We're still one people. You can have one Jew that lives in New York that goes to Thailand for vacation and suddenly he knows where to go for Shabbat and he's going to be treated like family by people that have never met him in his whole life. So this is what Haman understood. So Haman understood that Jews are one people even when they are in Galut, even when they're dispersed throughout the world and that the thing that unifies all Jews is their adherence to their own laws. This is what makes them stick together is their Torah and their mitzvot. And the Torah and mitzvot and then no nation in the world can have any power over them. When a Jew is united and a Jew clings to Torah and does mitzvot, nobody can destroy him. So however, when Haman comes to the royal banquet and meets meets their also Jewish guests and sees that although there is no compulsion, on the contrary, everything is according to everyone's wish, like they're eating kosher, they're, they're, they're not transgressing anything, yet they're among them individuals who are not particular about kashrut. So he sees that in this feast that the king did in the palace, which actually it was on the 10 days of Teshuvah, that we that are between Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur, there's 10 days which are known as the 10 days of Teshuvah, which are very serious days. These are days in which the Jews are not feasting and partying. They're, they're learning more Torah, they're giving more tzedakah, they're, they're introspecting on, on, on their Teshuvah, how they have to repent on Yom Kippur. It's not a day that you're gonna go and drink wine and, and feast. So he understood by this, that at that moment in time, the Jewish were not acting properly, even though they were being fed kosher food and everything. And there were a few Jews that were assimilating. There was a lot of assimilation. So then he concluded that the Jews are not only dispersed, but also scattered and disunified. And so then he feels bold enough to come up with a decree of total destruction of a whole people. He wanted to destroy the whole Jewish nation in one day, from every province in the, of Persia, from the north to the, to the south, from the east to the west. In one day, he was gonna finish them off, and which no enemy of the Jewish people have ever tried to do. So till his nearest rival, the arch enemy of the Jewish of half a century ago, like not even uh, Hitler was able to destroy Jewish people in one day. It took him many years to kill six million. So comes Purim and reminds us how Mordechai the Jew and Esther the queen and the whole Jewish people 
which were more the highest people, respond to this decree. And you know what? Today, today as I'm speaking, we're going through very harsh moments in history. We're seeing this repeat and repeat and repeat over and over again. We see how people are, are displaced, mistreated. Uh, in Ukraine, there's countless, it's a humongous Jewish community. There's, I think, 80,000 Jews in, the, in, the, in that country. And there's many, many synagogues and schools and education, Jewish education, Jewish life that have been built throughout many years. And in one day, they were destroyed, they're displaced. I, I saw videos of them taking out the, the Torah scrolls from the synagogues and trying to save them, and how all these people are trying to save themselves. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking. Uh, not to speak also other uh, people that are innocent, uh, people that have nothing to do with this conflict. It's heartbreaking. So we see that this history keeps repeating itself. And in the Megillah there is the answer to salvation. So Mordechai the Jew, he does not kneel or bow down to anyone, not even the king. And the, this is a compromise he has with his Yiddishkeit. He, for him, the only ruler is Hashem. And Esther, the queen, she risks her life to bring deliverance, deliverance to her people. My life is my request and my people is my plea. And, 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 and she says, if I die, I will die. She goes to King Ahasuerosh without being called. I'm not gonna go into the whole Megillah, but she was supposed to be called to be able to approach him. And uh, Mordechai tells her, you know, you were born to save the Jewish people. Their, their salvation is gonna come anyways through you or without you. But your purpose in life, your whole mission in this world is to go to that chamber with the king and plead for the Jewish people. And she says, yes, I will do it. If I die, I will die. This is my, my mission in life. If I, if, I, if I don't do this, anyways, I'm gonna die. So all Jews join in a movement of Teshuvah. This was a joint venture, Mordechai, he did his job, Queen Esther, she did her job, but also the Jewish people returned, they repented, they did Teshuvah, and they, and they, um, and they did self-sacrifice uh, almost a whole year, uh, although they would have easily saved themselves by declaring themselves as Yehudim, Jews no longer. Like they could have, they could have, they could have uh, converted to a different religion and that would have been the end of it. They wouldn't have annihilated them, but they didn't do that. They, co they continued being Jewish and they, they prayed, they did Teshuvah, Tzedakah, and Tefillah. This is what they did. And so last but not least, the Jewish children, this is why this holiday, every Jew is important, even the children, from the tiny tots, the little kids in, in kindergarten in Heather are gathered under Mordechai's leadership and are inspired with great spirit and Mesidas Nefesh for Torah and Yiddishkeit. They're taught the Torah. They're taught and they all come back to it. And in their sechut, in their merit, especially together with the merit of all the Jews, of all the men, women, and children who are again reunited into one people, one people united through one Torah given by the one God. So when this happened, when the Jewish people returned to Hashem and they united themselves as one people, the 
the decree of Haman became null. It nullified itself. It's so, so much that he was hanged in his own gallows that, had, that he had built to hang Mordecai because he didn't bow down to him. This is where he was hanged and, he, and his children too. So we see that Hashem's deliverance is complete. It's a deliverance not only from distress to complete relief. It's not only from a bad moment of, of distress, but Hashem brought them relief. And but even in a manner of a complete reversal, instead of Jews being afraid of their enemies, the enemies became afraid of the Jews. Instead of the Jews being ashamed of their Jewishness, they showed openly and proudly that they are Yehudim, and who acknowledge and follow the whole Torah, culminating in for the Jews, there was a light, joy, gladness, and honor in all respects, not only spiritually, but also materially. So this is the, the message of Purim. The message of Purim, to summarize this, is that the Jewish people have to keep themselves Jewish. They have to look Jewish. They have to speak Jewish. They have to not be ashamed of who they are. They have to stand up and they have to be proud. And they have to, they have to be one people, united in their, in their Torah, in their mitzvot, and in, 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 in every aspect of their lives. And when a Jew lives in such a way, every, every bad decree is nullified. Not only every bad decree is nullified, but the, 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 the lot is turned around. The poor is turned around for their benefit. So I wish you a happy Purim, Hag Samea. You should really uh, let that day show your true essence and uh, may, we shima, may we see Mashiach now, may we be able to redeem ourselves that we have the merit to bring the final and ultimate redemption and all people in the world should be saved. And I wish you a blessed week. Live a little higher. Thank you. Thank you.